short life would be, what would you do? What would they say when God called you home? What would they embrace once you were gone? I hope they would see what I've done in my life, who I've cared for, and how I survived. I hope they'll say she
same power that raised you from the dead is living in each one of us as Christians. Lord, we just ask for your blessing on the remainder of this service. Be with Philip as he brings a message and just have your will and way in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I would like to point out my mom did, was able to make it. I know. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I would like to point out my mom did, was able to make it. I know that sounds weird that she drove down here to celebrate Mother's Day. Uh, makes me sound like a bad son because I should go to her. But I promise she enjoys being here every time she gets the opportunity. Um, I'm so thankful for the moms that 
uh, God has put into my life. Uh, my mom had the uh, strange and tough task of being both the mom and the father um, in my life because she left my dad. He was abusive, so she got out of that relationship. Uh, so she had to trudge those waters, and she did a fantastic job on um, at least one out of the three kids that she had, right? Um, I only say that because my sister's here as well, and uh, she knows I'm the favorite. So uh, I'm also thankful for Paula. She is a wonderful mom to our kids. Um, she's so supportive. She's so sacrificial, um, and she does everything she can for those kids, um, and, and she's fantastic. And my mother-in-law, I have a great mother-in-law. We have a great relationship, which is, uh, from what I understand, not usual. Um, but I love my mother-in-law. She's a fantastic woman and also very supportive of our family and helps out whenever she can. Um, this morning we're going to be talking about what is a disciple. Um, I like to define words. Me and Tucker Chapman meet every Thursday morning and kind of go through, we're going through a book right now. He's going to be the youth intern um, this summer, so I'm trying to prepare him for that. He's also going um, into uh, college to study to become a youth pastor, and so um, I'm trying to help him be as prepared as he can for college. And so we meet every Thursday. We're going through a book, and uh, he and I talked about how sometimes in churches uh, there's this uh, Christianese. Um, like we understand, those of us who maybe grown up in church or have studied a little bit more, we understand these words that um, like propitiation and uh, substitutionary atonement and uh, all these larger words, you know, we, we may throw them out there to make us sound smarter, but the truth and the reality is that a lot of people out there may not know what these words mean, right? And so um, Tucker and I have talked about that at length um, because he kind of brought it up and something that I thought he should have already known. He didn't quite know the definition to and was glad that it was spelled out in the chapter we were reading. So today we're actually going to start off with a definition, and this comes straight from Google, because who uses Webster anymore? Um, the definition is a follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. Um, and for just so you know today, I'm talking about a disciple of Christ. Um, we're talking about those who um, follow and, and are students of uh, Jesus Christ. And it's important to know that first and foremost, a disciple is already saved. Right? If you don't, if you have not given your heart over to the Lord, um, you, there's no way you can actually be a disciple yet. Right? You have to give your life over to Him. Um, and if you don't know what it means to be saved, uh, let's, we'll, we'll run through that real quick. Um, there is a problem with humanity. Right? Um, there is every religion, every philosophy, everyone in the world has ever um, lived and kind of thought about this realizes that there is a problem with humanity. Um, and, and the Bible spells it out as sin. Um, and sin is anything and everything that goes against what you were created for. Like if you built a table and you built it to be as level as possible and there's still that little bit of wobble, right? How often does that happen? Um, maybe you don't build tables or you do, maybe you like computers, you build a computer program, you get all the way through and at the end it's not doing what you want it to do. So you gotta go all the way, that, that stuff is sitting against what you created it for, right? Um, but sin is anything and everything that goes against our Creator. Um, and the, we, we need help with that sin, right? Um, we need help because we cannot solve our problem ourselves, 
right? God is holy. Our creator is holy, and he's perfect, and he cannot look upon that bad stuff. And so he sent his son, who was um, human and God, 100% human and 100% God, because the only person that really could fulfill God's standards was God. So he sent himself in the form of flesh to die on a cross and take all those sins upon himself. Um, and the Bible says if we, if we believe or confess with our heart that he is Lord and believe that he was raised from the dead, then we will be saved. And so a disciple is first saved, um, and they can uh, then we can go into these three responsibilities of a disciple that I want to bring up to you this morning. Um, but once you have placed your faith in Jesus, um, you become a disciple, and then you get to live in these three responsibilities. And the first one is grow, right? You have a responsibility to grow in your faith, in your walk, in your, in your life. Um, the second one is engage. You have, a, you have a responsibility to engage those around you, engage the culture that you're in. Um, you have a responsibility to engage. And the third one, the last one is to teach. And I know a lot of you are probably thinking, man, I don't like to teach. That is not what I signed up for. But we are called to teach, or maybe a better word is to train, right? Um, we, we are called to train those who are um, younger in their faith. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. Um, and so you can go ahead and flip there. For those of you who have phones and, and iPads, it probably won't take you as long to get there. Um, but I'm going to give you a minute to get to Acts chapter 17. Um, we're going to be looking at Paul and almost looking at the entire chapter um, there in Acts. So Paul and Silas and Timothy um, and start going on a missionary journey and they show up in Thessalonica, right? And they, this is at the beginning of chapter 17, they show up in Thessalonica and uh, as a custom to Paul, whenever he shows up in a city, the first place he goes to is the synagogue. That's the first place he goes to. So he shows up and he goes to the synagogue. Because in verse 2 it says, as usual, Paul went to the synagogue. So we can know that when he went to the synagogue, that's just what he always did. He first went to the synagogue. Well, he started preaching to these Jews, and some of them were accepting the message and accepting Christ in their hearts, but the other ones were getting mad. And so they started a riot. They went out into the marketplace, which the marketplace is also an important uh, part of the town. But... They went out to the marketplace, gathered up as many people as they could, and said, hey, this is what's going on, um, and they started a riot, right? They went into somebody's house, they destroyed it, they dragged this guy out, um, but all they're trying to do is drag out or pull out Paul and his, um, and his team. But the believers there had a different plan. As soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters there in Berea, um, or in Thessalonica, sent Paul and Silas um, away to Berea. This is verse 10. Um, upon the arrival, upon arrival, they went to where? The synagogue, because that's the first thing they always did. Um, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. The people there um, were of more noble character than those of, in Thessalonica, since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so if we are called to grow we need to be like our brothers and sisters in Berea at this time. They received the word with eagerness, right? They eagerly received the word. And the main uh, 
avenue that God has placed into your life, um, the main avenue for discipleship, for growth in your life, is the local church. That's where God has, um, is, has given you the opportunity to come and, and we can worship God through song, we can worship God through listening and, and receiving the word through a message, and we can um, worship him through community, being together in this place. And so that's the main thing, but because of technology, and technology is fantastic, uh, because of technology we have things that are called podcasts, um, which a lot of times maybe somebody with just a microphone in front of their face, and it's, there's no visual, but you can just listen to the podcast. There's YouTube. You can go and listen to um, great communicators of the gospel. Um, and there's also a thing that our church has um, now is Right Now Media. And it's kind of like the uh, Netflix of Bible studies. Um, there's like 20,000 Bible studies on this thing. Um, and they are free. So all you have to do is, um, I'll just tell you right now, if, if you want to know more about Right Now Media, um, we have these purple cards that are right in front of you. Uh, just fill them out. All we need is your email address, um, and we will send you that free gift. We want to give you that free gift of, of growth in your life. Um, and so all you have to do, I promise you we won't spam you. Just fill that out, turn it in, and we'll get you an email. Um, all you have to do is click the link, fill out your information, and then you have free access to some of the best communicators, um, of the word, some of the best Bible studies, training, it has conferences, it has just about everything, um, and I don't know that I found anything yet that I don't like. Um, that's my quick plug on Right Now Media. I'm going to stop there. Um, so the first thing we need to do is receive the word with eagerness, and we can do that in so many ways. The main way is coming to the local church. The, the second way is through all these other avenues. We can do it however um, we please. But the, the second thing we need to do is we need to examine the scriptures daily. Um, and that's important. It says that the people in Berea examined the scriptures daily because they were hearing something new, uh, but they knew the scriptures. And so they went to the scriptures daily to see if those things were true. And, and notice that he says examine. He doesn't say just read, right? He doesn't say he's, that they're just going and, and kind of glancing over the script. They, they are examining, they're diving in and learning what it's saying and making sure what they're hearing is true. Um, there's a lot of false teachers out there. There were in this time and there are now. There are a lot of false teachers out there that aren't preaching, even if they're, they're, they're not intending to be bad, they're not preaching the whole truth. Right? They're not teaching the entire truth. So we need to, everything we hear, we need to receive the word eagerly, but we also need to go to Scripture and make sure it aligns with what we read in Scripture. Because this is the ultimate truth, right? This is ultimate. We can hear it, hear it, hear it, but we need to go back to this to make sure what we're hearing is true. Um, I, I think it's a military phrase called trust but verify. Is that right? Um, we need to trust what we're hearing is true, but we need to go back and verify that what we're hearing is true through our scriptures. We need to um, examine the scripture daily. <clears throat> and doing this will help you grow, and it'll help you know that what you're hearing is true. Um, and this is probably the most important responsibility of the three. Because if we are not growing in our relationship with Christ, um, 
we cannot be effective in our other responsibilities. So if we're not growing, there's no way for us to be effective in the other responsibilities that we have. Our second responsibility is um, to engage. If you are not engaging the culture that is around you, engaging the people that are around you, um, you cannot fulfill the Great Commission. The Great Commission, if you don't know, is in Matthew 28. Um, Jesus tells us to go forth and make disciples. If you are not engaging the people around you, how are you supposed to go forth and make disciples? Um, you need to engage the people around you. And I, I looked up the definition of commission as well, because I know a lot of people think, isn't that like a payment, right? You sell something, you get a portion of that, that's my commission, right? Um, and so I looked up the definition of that one too, and I, and I love this. Um, again, I went to Google, because I don't use Webster. Um, a group of people officially charged with a particular function. So as Christians, we are a group of people who follow Christ, and Christ has charged us with a function of going and making disciples. Um, and not to, to get too deep into that text, but it, it's, if you go back to the original text, it's technically saying, as you are going. So it doesn't mean like you have to go on a foreign mission trip to go make disciples. You, you have to, just as you are going um, through work and through uh, grocery shopping, going to restaurants, as you are going, make disciples. Um, when we engage our culture, this has to be our goal. We have to have a goal of changing the culture that is around us. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have to have the goal of changing that culture that is around us. And we cannot change the culture that is around us unless we have a fire or a passion that burns deep within us. Right? And so we look at the people throughout history who have changed uh, history. Um, the ones that are noted in our history books, whatever you believe about history books that are in schools, look at the ones that are noted, right? Like Rosa Parks, she had a fire and, and, and a passion to change. Uh, another one, Jackie Robinson had a fire and a passion to change. Um, if you go even further back, his name is Martin Luther. Um, he's, he's the starter of the Protestant Reformation, right? Um, kind of the start of what we, we are doing here. And he had a fire and a passion in his belly because, trust me, you can't not have a fire in your belly to uh, be bold enough to go and say, hey, <clears throat> church, you're wrong. Here's 95 reasons why, and I'm going to nail them to your front door. And so you can't do that unless you have a passion for changing the culture of what is going on. So in Acts 17, verse 16, <clears throat> while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, so they are in Berea. It's a little bit of the backstory. They're in Berea. Um, think, good things are happening, but the people over in Thessalonica are like, oh no, it ain't happening there too. So they go over to Berea and they start raising Cain. And so the Bereans kind of rush Paul out. They, they, they send Paul to the coast and they, they rush him and, and guide him to Athens, but Silas and Timothy stayed behind. And so when they get to Athens, Paul says, please send Silas and Timothy as quick as you can. I mean, so they leave. But Paul has a little bit of alone time in this place. <clears throat> and so when we're looking at engaging the culture, this is what we need to be doing. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, 
Um, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshiped God, <clears throat> as well as in the marketplace every day with those who just happened to be there. Um, and so first, what he did is he watched and he learned the culture that he was in. It says he, he was deeply distressed when he saw, excuse me, when he saw that the city was full of idols. Surely um, what was going through his mind was, was Psalm 115 um, in, in verse 4. It says their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. They, have, they cannot make sounds with their throats. And, and, and verse 8 is the most haunting of that one. Um, those who make them become just like them, as are all those who trust in them. And so surely this is going through Paul's head as he's walking around and he sees all of these idols that, are, um, that were built up in this city. And so he is deeply distressed. A fire is lit. A passion is ignited in that place. The, so the first thing he did was he watched and he learned. He didn't try to speak into the culture without knowing the culture. Um, the second thing he did was he went to the two main influential hubs of the city. He went to the church and he went to the marketplace. The church had uh, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The marketplace had like the business leaders and, and those philosophers that stayed out there in the marketplace um, like we're about to look at. He went to those two places first, the two main influential hubs that are there. And so it says that the, some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Um, if you don't know what an Epicurean or a Stoic philosopher is, um, an Epicurean philosopher was one that, like a modern-day atheist, right? They didn't believe there was a God. Um, they believed when, they, when you died, you just kind of went and your molecules, molecules went back to the earth, and that was kind of the end of it, right? Um, and then a Stoic philosopher uh, probably best way to describe it is like a naturist. Um, they believe that God was just in everything. Like, you better not disrespect that tree because God's in that tree, right? <clears throat> and so they had these two different um, kind of theologies there in this time, philosophies there. Um, but they're, they're kind of like, who is this guy who is saying this? And, and then another side was like, well, maybe he's a preacher, Right? He's, he's preaching about Jesus and the good news. Maybe he's a preacher. And so they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, which was like a court um, at the time, and said, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting? Because what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these things mean. <clears throat> now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. And so this was the place like where uh, I told you it was like a court. So there's, there's influencers there, there's councilmen there that influence like kings, right? They have major influence. So 
he went to the two main influencers of that kind of culture right there, the church and the marketplace, and then the marketplace people took him to the major place. And then the third thing that Paul does is he starts preaching to them in a way that they'll really understand, right? Um, he says, uh, if you kind of go down, he starts presenting to them. He says um, that I found an altar to a God, and, and the inscription on it said, to an unknown God. And he starts telling them, I know the God that you claim to be unknown. He's the creator of the universe. And he goes on to, to not only quote scripture, but he starts quoting philosophers that they would know. Right? He goes on to say, um, for we are all also his offspring. And, he, and he's quoting philosophers that they're going to be like, oh, well, this guy said that. Is that what he was talking about? And so they know what he's talking about because he's uh, teaching it in a, in a relevant way. And so we need to be engaging the culture around us. And I know what you're thinking. Like, listen, Philip, I got 15 kids. They play 87 sports. We just don't have any time anywhere to do anything extra. But remember what the Great Commission said, as you are going, right? So if you do got 15 kids and they play 87 sports and you feel like you got no time in your life, I'm just going to tell you, I think you got more opportunity than a lot of people do to spread the word of God. I don't want to ask you to add anything. I just want you to ask, ask you to, to invite people to a place. Like, you're going to eat at some point. Invite someone over to eat. And, you know, maybe you're in a minivan. You're just throwing chicken nuggets to the kids, right? Hoping to get to the next place on time. Just maybe add another kid, right? Um, don't kidnap them. Just ask, if, ask the parents first. Um, but just invite into the places that you are. Invite people into your story. Um, talk to them, uh, reason with them. Um, Paul says, or it says that Paul, he, didn't, he was deeply distressed by the idols, but he didn't go into the synagogue in the marketplace and just start preaching hellfire and brimstone. He, it says he reasoned with the people there in the synagogue, and he reasoned with anyone and everyone that would actually talk to him in the marketplace. He would just talk to them. He didn't go there saying, you guys are all sinners, and just start yelling at them. He went there with a purpose, and he knew how to execute it. Um, so you don't have to add anything. Um, just invite people into your space. Um, it's not enough to just engage the people around us, but we've got to teach them, right? We've got to train them up in the ways of the Lord. Um, I think one of the biggest problems that the church as a whole, like the universal church, um, is that they concern themselves more with conversion than they do discipleship. Go ahead. They concern themselves more with conversion. They want to know, okay, how many people in this service can we get to raise their hand and say that they accepted Jesus? But what does that matter if a year from now they're worse off than they were? I think a better, a better uh, gauge of growth within a church is, hey, we had this many people accept Jesus on this day last year, it's a year later, what do they look like? And so we have to teach and we have to train them. Uh, Paul, be like Paul, Paul always had someone with him, right? Um, start off with Barnabas, he had Barnabas with him for a while, um, and then there was Mark, and they kind of split in Acts chapter 15, you can go back and look at that. They had like a, uh, I want to say a, a holy um, disagreement, it wasn't like a middle school slap fight. Um, it was just a holy 
disagreement um, because Paul was still upset with Mark for leaving. And long story short, um, it was of the Lord because it, they were able to split. Uh, Barnabas took Mark and Paul took Silas and they went in different directions and doubled their ministry, covered as twice as much ground and half as much time. And so they were able to double their ministry at that time. Um, it came out of a disagreement, but it was of the Lord. And so then he had Silas with him for a little while. And then if you go back to chapter 16, um, he picked up Timothy. Um, they got to uh, uh, Derby and, and Lystra. And in verse 3, there was a disciple there. Um, he had a believing Jewish woman as a mom. Um, and he had a, a father who was a Greek. But it said Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. Paul wanted to teach and wanted to train Timothy up. We have to be eagerly looking for those people. Um, now, another aspect of this as a disciple, um, we need to eagerly be looking for someone to teach us, uh, but we need to eagerly be looking for someone to um, teach and to train. But you may be asking yourself, well, Philip, who, who do I train? It's a great question. That's where I was going next. Um, it's Mother's Day, so let's look at this. A lot of the people in here stood up. I watched when Harold made you stand up, and some of you may not have wanted to. Most of the people in here have kids. Start with your kids. Um, you're, you're able to teach them. You have the most time with them. Um, they're there. They're willing vessels. They want to learn from you. Um, and look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, verses 4 uh, I think it's through nine. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands I give to you today um, are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house, on your gates. Start with your children. The, this scripture, this is like way beginning of the Old Testament, right? Uh, and so he's saying, listen, the commandments of the Lord that I teach you, they need to be on your heart all the time, but you need to impress them on your children. And, and some, some translations will say diligently impress them on your children. That means there's, there's an urgency there. This is our responsibility to teach our children. The Bible has put parents as the, the primary disciple, uh, discipler of their children. But it says all the time. Talk to them when you sit at home. We sit at home quite often, don't we? Um, talk about them when you're walking along the road. When you're most people probably don't walk along the road unless you're trying to lose weight, right? Um, talk about it while you're driving to those practices. Um, talk about it while you're driving to dinner, while you're trying to get from point A to point B, when you're taking them to school, when you're bringing them home from school. Talk about it there. Talk about it when you lie down. Talk about it when you get up. I don't think that the writer of Deuteronomy is, is giving you an option of, okay, I don't have to talk about it at this point, right? He's kind of told you anytime and anywhere. Talk about it when you're sitting there. Talk about it when you're going somewhere. Talk about it when you're lying down. Talk about it when you get up. Talk about it all the time. And moms, I know the struggle because kids won't even leave you alone while you're in the bathroom. I know it. I don't know what age that stops. We're at five and four years old, and it still goes on. It doesn't stop, Diane. No, you need to leave your mama alone, man. 
You need to leave her alone, man. You are grown. Leave her alone. All right. Um, but if kids won't, won't leave you alone at all, what an awesome opportunity you have to train them up in what is right. Because listen to me, something's going to train them up. What do you want it to be? The world or you? And, and I'm not oblivious. I know some people don't have kids, right? Um, but I'm sure maybe you have like a niece or a nephew. Um, but there's always going to be someone who is younger in their faith than you are. And I'm going to tell you a secret about teaching. It's real easy. Not like the profession. That's, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to do that. All right, that's super hard. But teaching someone, all you have to do is be a couple steps ahead of them. And you can teach them what you've already learned. But this is why growing is the most important responsibility because if you teach them to where you are, they're going to hit the same wall that you have. They're going to be at the same place and how do you teach them past your level? You have to be growing so that as you're teaching someone, they're growing as well and it never stops. And so find someone who's younger in their faith or younger in their age. Sometimes those are the same. But you may be asking yourself, well, what do I teach them, Philip? I don't, I don't even know what to teach them. Well, teach them two things. Teach them how to grow and teach them how to engage the people around them. Start off with the responsibilities that we are to have as a disciple. Be like Paul when you're engaging. Just, just as you are going, engage the people around you. As you are going, um, teach people around you. Sometimes I feel like we're caught up in this, uh, this, this, and I heard a preacher put it this way, um, this cosmic uh, bring your child to work day. And God is working all around us. And he comes up to us and says, hey, 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 listen, you see that guy right over there? Yeah, 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 the one with the headphones, the one that's a lot bigger than you, that one right there. I'm about to rock his world I'm about to bring him from death to life. Do you want a part of it? And I feel like as, as um, this is the bad part of technology, as technology has gotten better, I think we've become more disconnected um, from each other. Uh, but I, I feel like our first response is, I don't know, Lord. Um, do you see how big he is? Yeah, 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 I see how big he is. It's fine. I think our first question is, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If I say no, am I still saved? Or if I say no, am I still getting into heaven? And the scandalous part is the scandalous grace of God says that, yes, you still will. You still are saved. But God wants, doesn't have to use us. He, he is all-powerful, but he is working in and around us at all times, and he wants to use us. If we have a, a fire and a passion within us to change the culture around us, we have to say yes to these things. If you claim to be a disciple or a follower of Christ, you have three responsibilities. You've got to be growing because you don't know everything. And I told someone the other day that the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. 
and I know that's true for a lot of you. Should be true for everyone. Hopefully you're not. No, I'm good. I know everything. If you think you know everything, there's a test, and I think I've told you this test before. Go put about three or four inches of water in your bathtub um, and then try to step in it. Take your socks and shoes off, try to step in it, and if your feet touch the tub, they don't float on the water, uh, you still got some learning to do. You have your first responsibility to grow. Your second responsibility is to engage those people that are around you. God's put you in situations for a reason. God's put you in places for a reason. You may think it's to, to try to train your kid up to be the best baseball player to get a college scholarship. But God's put you there for a different reason. Engage those people around you. Don't be afraid. Don't just look at your phone the entire time you're there. And you must train up new believers. We can't just go for a conversion. We have, to, we have to disciple the people that are coming to the Lord. So grow, engage, and teach. If you don't like the word teach, train. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to just be able to be in this place and, and worship your name. Bring glory to your name through, through music, through listening to your word, and through community. Lord, I thank you so much for the mothers in this room. They deserve to be pampered and treated like queens today. And I pray that you bring a special blessing into their lives. Lord, as disciples, I pray that we remember that we always need to be growing. And we always need to be looking for opportunities to engage the culture around us. And we need to be looking for opportunities to teach those who are younger in their faith than we are. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.